If you're new to the Bible, Luke is the third of the books of the New Testament, and we're going to ask the question today, am I ready for what comes next? We're going to look at the parable of the wineskins that Jesus told, and I want us to think about, as I believe the scripture tells us to, evaluate and receive what God is doing in our life, and are we willing to change in order to do that? So let me just start with a question to ask you to think about. Are you willing to change? Do you think, it is hard, do you think that God probably wants you to stay just like you are, or do you think maybe through the power of the Holy Spirit, he would ever be changing you into a better and better person? Now, if I were to ask this question, who likes change? Who likes change? Some of us do, most of us don't. We have a few people that like change. Who doesn't like change in general? Probably most of us. I like Here's a few ideas. Do you like to change a tire? Like, who loves changing their tire? <laughs> Plus, there's the moment that makes you have to change your tire. You're on the way. So you're never just sitting around. It's like, I got nothing to do. Oh, my tire's flat. I'll go change my tire. It doesn't work that way. You're put in a situation where you are forced to change. Um, you probably don't enjoy changing your oil in your car. You got to pay money, take it somewhere, wait for it, whatever. Um, have you ever gone to your favorite restaurant and they've changed the recipe to your favorite dish? Or change the menu. It's like, I, can, I don't know if I can eat here, right? That's a hard one, right? So we don't like change. Um, a lot of people don't like changing of seasons. I did some research on Americans, and uh, what do you think the favorite season is? Is it spring, fall, summer? You're right. It's definitely fall, uh, which we're kind of like just eking out of. Yeah, 29% of Americans, which is more than any other um, season, prefer fall. And uh, guess how many prefer winter? Does anyone love the winters? Anybody? What? Okay, we are the... So in America, maybe in Augusta, because it's like, you know, really hot everywhere. In, in Amer Americans, only 7% uh, of Americans prefer winter. Um, so that is to say, if more of us... I've lost control. If more of us prefer fall than winter then probably more of us now are not quite as excited that we're going into the winter, even though it is mild. All that's to say that we just don't like change, and in general. Um, but in the Christian life, we are not ever allowed to stay the same, because if we stay the same, we can't receive the new thing that God would do in us. And I think coming out of, hopefully, covid and pandemic, there are a lot of changes, and we have to be willing to roll with, to collaborate with, to cooperate with whatever God has next for us. And here's a thought, and this, for some of us, I just feel like this is going to be the moment of this sermon for you. Do you believe that God has an actual plan for your life? Because if you don't, then how hopeless are you? In Psalm 33, I think it's verse 11, it says that the plans of the heart of God go from one generation to the next. He always has a plan. And guys, his plan is always good for you. Even if it involves pain and struggle, it is always good. 
So we want to we want to welcome the plan of God for our lives. And I would just say we're turning into a new year. What better time to evaluate and say, what the heck am I doing? Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to just aimlessly bumble through life. You don't want to do that. God has something for us. Will we receive it? Let's pray and we're going to read a short passage and um, talk about how it relates. So let's, let's invite the Holy Spirit. Spirit, we welcome you as the seasons change. We welcome you to be the, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the one that we choose to orbit around rather than doing what we would. And Lord, I ask you to speak this morning. We again just, we open ourselves this morning to you and say, Holy Spirit, speak. If it's not what I want to hear, I want to hear what you have to say. Because what you say is always good and right for us. And we just, Lord, we say you are the Lord. We are not. Our spouse is not. Our boyfriend is not. Our girlfriend is not. Our children are not. Our job is not. Our bills are not. You, Jesus, are the Lord. And we place you at the center. And we ask you to come as king this morning. To bring your kingdom among us. Destroy the kingdom of darkness in our lives that would govern us and lead us along into confusion and pain and hurt and just replace that with your light and your goodness and your peace. We want to cooperate, Lord, so come, just pour out your new wine, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Luke 5, Jesus is teaching, chapter 5, verse 36. The quick context, people were struggling when Jesus was talking because he was healing on the Sabbath. He was embracing tax gatherers and eating with them. He wasn't fasting like the disciples of John the Baptist and the Pharisees did. So people were, in general, were confused. And it's okay, as you've probably heard this, the last seven words of any establishment are, we've never done it that way before. And we can't adopt a mentality when it comes to God working in our lives of we've never done it that way. So Jesus tells this parable. It's quite upsetting, and it goes like this. It has two parts. Luke 5, 36. He says, he was telling them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, he'll both tear the new, and the piece from the new won't match the old. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins It'll be spilled out. The skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wishes for new. Because he says, the old will be good enough. So he gives two examples here. A wineskin that's old and can't hold new wine. And a garment that is old and cannot handle a new patch. And he uses these to talk about... Changing And really the context here, for some of us, I mean, most of us in this room don't carry around wineskins. Most of us probably don't patch their clothes. You know, you just go to Target or wherever and buy a new you know, item of clothing. Um, but in the, in the third world, there, there was no Target or mall. So for the most part, you would just mend and mend and mend and mend. But guys, the time would come when you could no longer mend your garment and you had to get a new one. And for example, I bought, brought something today. I just happen to have uh, two garments here. 
Now, this I've had, I bought this when I worked at the mall uh, around 1995 or six. Uh, this is a Macy's brand club room. They probably are long since. I love this. This is my Mr. Rogers cardigan. Some of you guys know I wear this pretty much every Christmas. Um, and uh, there's some people that hate it. And the, the person who hates it the most is my wife. She hates this. She despises it. Year after year, she looks at me wearing it. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and as the years have gone on, I don't care. Um, I actually had a dark brown one as well, but somebody um, was on ministry time, snotted like all over it. So I had to get rid of it. Um, but I have this one. Now, over the years, I have noticed myself that there are beginning to be holes in the fabric. I don't know, you probably can't see, but there's holes and as I've worn it, especially if I wear a dark shirt, it starts to show through. And this year I was putting it on. I wore it, I think, on Christmas or the week before. And I was putting it on and I was just looking at it and I just, it was like, old friend, it may be time. <laughs> now, fortunately, my wife, in her amazingness, knew that it was coming time probably in the, in the spirit and she bought me a somewhat replacement. It's not quite as cool as this one by any means. But it's similar. And when she gave it to me on my birthday, which was just right before Christmas, she said, this is your replacement for your cardigan because it has holes in it. So just think about it. Like, what if I was like, but I like my club room. You know, this is 27, 28 years old. I, I like wearing this. And what if I were to try to, you know, it's kind of a close match, not quite. But what if I were to try to, tear a piece of this off or cut a piece of this out and use it to mend the holes? Would it work? Would it take? Would it look right? And then not only does this look sillier than ever, but now this is cut and ruined, right? You get it? It's exactly what Jesus says here. It's exactly what he's talking about with the old and the new. Goodbye, my friend. This may be it. So, how does this relate to our lives? Um, let's, here's, here's one way. Think about the wine. Think about the garment. Beware of letting yesterday define today. Really ask you guys to think about this. Beware of letting yesterday define today. Because you can't mix the new and the old sometimes. If you do, as I mentioned with my cardigan, it tears and the new thing is compromised. It will not look right. Trying to fit something new into something that's old and vice versa will ruin and damage both and they won't look right. And maybe you're like me and you're saying, but I've got to keep that old thing in rotation. Some of us, we're trying to force today and tomorrow to look like yesterday. And guys, in the economy of the Holy Spirit, you cannot do that. Here's a few examples. I remember buying limes at Kroger. My wife and I love to cook. Most of what we cook, or she cooks, I just do the dishes, is not traditional American food. Almost everything we cook is Indian or Thai or Asian of some kind, or she'll cook Russian stuff and Hungarian stuff. And so limes, we got into limes years ago, and I remember going to Kroger with her, and you could get limes about eight or nine years ago. Limes were three for a buck. 
you can't get three limes for a dollar. Maybe if it's on special, but limes are like 59 or 69 cents now for one lime. The price, and so I can't go into today with yesterday's information, okay? Hitting a little closer to home. If you're married, if you're married now, you can't live like you lived when you were single. It will destroy your marriage. Because when you're married now, you have to have boundaries with other people that you didn't have before. When you're all by yourself, you only have to think about yourself. But when you have someone else that you're now living with and serving, you have to think about that person. And you will ruin the new thing by trying to live according to the old rules. You have to change. You have to change the wineskin. You have to change the garment. Hitting home, another idea example of this is those of us who have parents. Did you know you cannot parent an adolescent the way you parented a toddler? Did you know you can't parent an adolescent the way you parented a toddler? If you do, they will not be ready for this life. Like, there was the age when I cut my kids' food up. There comes an age when you don't need to cut your kids' food up anymore. You are paralyzing them and handicapping them for real life. And on and on and on. There comes an age when you don't pay your kids' bills. There comes an age when it's time for them to look and learn delicate, heavy, soiled, whatever, on the washing machine. There comes an age when they need to learn to do the dishes. And by the way, I think all those ages are quite young. You know what, by the way, this has nothing to do with this message. Your kids are way more capable than you think. I will say that having raised three. They're all over the world right now. They can do far more than you let them. So make them work. Let them cry. Push them. Make them wash the dishes. Like, do it. Make them take the garbage out. I'll get dirty. Yes, you will. Welcome to life. But we can't parent. And, and on that same note, you can't parent a teenager the way that you parented an adolescent. And on and on and on it goes. So, because the new will be ruined, guys. The new will be ruined if we try to do the new in the way that the old was. And if you're trying to let to yesterday define today, you're going to be unhappy. If you're living in what yesterday was today, you're going to be happy. And then the other part of this, this whole thing with the, with the garment, before we go on to the wineskin, is that they just don't match. They won't match. Yesterday's stuff doesn't always match today's stuff. You ever seen like a 50-year-old guy wearing skinny jeans? <laughs> like, he looks like a sausage, you know? It's just not right, right? It's just not right. Like, sometimes you just don't mix things because it just doesn't match. They're not compatible. If you're taking notes, please write down this verse. This verse has saved me from so many hells in the last 10 years or so. It's Ecclesiastes 7.10. And it very simply says, do not say, why were the former days better than these? It's not out of wisdom that you ask this question. It's really one to hang on to. Don't look at yesterday and wonder. The more you wonder why today is not like yesterday, it, you just make today more miserable. And I'll tell you guys, when you get to certain milestones in life, like for those who have kids, you know, them leaving the home, them hurting themselves, 
Um, when you start getting older and you start, and I'm not even that old, but I know just from some of you who are, you start having physical ailments and you start losing people. Guys, it changes and you got to roll with it or you're going to find yourself incapacitated and stuck. A great example of this is John the Baptist, who was the greatest, Jesus said, in the kingdom of heaven. And he very clearly went from a more paradigm to a less paradigm. He was attracting crowds likely in the thousands, sought out by politicians, not low-level politicians, by the way, sought out by people like Herod. He was sought out by high-level Pharisees, religious leaders, and just everybody. He was sought out by the poor and he was sought out by the rich. And people didn't just get in their car and drive down to Vineyard to hear him. They walked, guys, sometimes for days to hear this crazy man in a loincloth who ate insects preach that they were all going to hell. And they sought him out. His ministry was explosive. But the moment came that Jesus came and he said, he must increase and I must decrease. The season changed. The wine changed. He went from a wine of, let's just say, movement, anointing, power, results, fruit, crowds, attraction, feels good. And he went to a wine of that, to a wine of obscurity, to a wine of less. And that was God. It was God's way in his life. And he ends up in prison, and he wonders, is Jesus the one? And another verse to write down, I don't know where this is, but just think on this for about 10 years. The disciples came, John's disciples came to Jesus, and they said, John's depressed. He's in prison. And he, he wants to know if you're the one. Like, did he, did he, did he do the right thing with his life because he's about to die? And Jesus says a cryptic statement that will freeze the blood in your veins. He says, I am the one, and blessed are you if you don't stumble over this. In other words... Because of your obedience to me, you are where you are now. And for you now, the blessing comes if you can swallow that cup instead of want to be like it was back in the other, in the old days. Do you find yourself struggling with that same thing? Next thing is don't waste today because you're stuck on yesterday, which seems the same, but let me illustrate. Don't waste today because you're stuck on yesterday. You can't put new wine, in verse 37, into an old skin. So he talked about the garments, now he's talking about the wine. If you try to put new wine in an old skin, the old skin is going to burst, and the skin is going to ruin. And I just want to very quickly talk about this, because Jesus very clearly says, don't ruin the old before it's time. If it's worn out, yes, it can't be used, but Jesus very clearly says in verse 37, you still don't want the old wine skin to rip. There's value, and let me just say this, there is value in the old. And by trying to stuff the new into it, guys, you ruin the dignity of everything God did in the past. You invalidate it by saying, that was no good, and I have to have this new and better thing. Let each season work its work in our lives. Don't try to make today like yesterday. If you forget yesterday because you want today or tomorrow so much, you're never going to grow from what you were supposed to grow from yesterday. It's like you have all these lessons and we're not learning them because we're just like, I got to have the new, I got to have the new, I've got the new. So there's a dignity and we can devalue what God did by running from it to what God's doing. 
And again, this is sort of a corollary, but I think it's really important because I, I've been thinking about this message for two months. And it, it's like Jesus very clearly said, we don't want to tear the old wineskin. We, we want to preserve it. It still has value, even if it just is get, it's hung on the wall as a memory of what God did. You don't want to tear the old wineskin. A great example of that is in Genesis 50 when Joseph's brothers come to him. If you don't know the story, for the sake of time, we're not going to go there. But Joseph is put in prison by his brothers, he, or put in a pit by his brothers. He goes in prison, just goes through all manner of suffering and turmoil and just awfulness. And at the end of the story, Joseph is now second in charge with Pharaoh, and he saves his family, and he reveals himself to his brothers, and they bow down to him. They say, we're so sorry, we're so sorry. And he says, again, this is another one of those, you know, statements to just think about for 10 years, Genesis 50, 19 and 20. He says this, what you meant for bad, God meant for good. And then he says this just brilliant little phrase, am I not in God's place? I'm right where God put me. He didn't invalidate everything he had been through. He honored it. He honored his suffering. He honored his old wineskin in the midst of his new wine. Super important. So don't curse or ruin what was in your desire for what is. And then the other part is that the new wine, if, if, if we try to stuff new wine in an old wineskin, the new wine is spilled and wasted. Jesus says this in verse 37. The new wine is spilled. Isn't that tragic? New wine, ready to be served, or ready to be stored in this case. We don't really know where they were going with the wineskin. Was it going to sit and, and get better, or was it ready to be served? But you don't take something that you've just put all this energy into and, and, and put it into something old, because then you ruin it. And I, I, has anybody tried the... These apples are just so good. I discovered these this week. Um, they're Cosmic Crisp. Has anyone had Cosmic Crisps? Are they not great? I mean, they're really, really good. I, nah. I'm tell who wants to try one right now? Just eat it right now in church. <laughs> tell them it's not good. There will be more later, maybe. Isn't this good? I mean, who would want a red apple? After this, it's good. There's a halo over someone's head over here. You're welcome. Don't worry, there's more to come. Now, these are delicious. They truly are. To be enjoyed. So what if I took my wineskin and I'll put my new apples in my new wineskin now wait a minute man I thought this thing was no, let me try again what is happening I'm wasting good apples I feel your pain How long are you going to keep doing this? Exactly. And then you got nothing. And let me bring it back. Poor apples. Poor apples. Because, guys, in all seriousness, 
If God is trying to do something in your life and you are putting it in a broken container, it is wasted. It will never be realized. Let me give you a few examples. The new is not compatible with the old. Let's say you're in a relationship. Did you know that your new relationship is not going to look like your old relationship? If you're in a new job, did you know your new job is not going to look like your last job? If you're in a new church, did you know your new church is not going to look and feel like your old church? If you're in a season of suffering, did you know that a season of suffering does not look like a season of joy? And the longer you try to make it feel and look that way, you will never, ever press through it and get what God has for you in it. And conversely, a season of joy doesn't look like a season of suffering. We went through a thing years ago that we went through just a long-term suffering for so long that I forgot how to be joyful. I literally forgot how to be joyful. And I had a guy come to church who I hadn't seen in years, and he walked up to me, and I was right in the midst of that. And we were talking after the service, and I was like, hey, I'm glad you're back, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you're different. And I was like, why? He's like, you're just not happy anymore. And like the Spirit of the Lord just hit me. Like I I quit risking joy because I was so used to pain. And you can do that in relationships. You can do that in your relationship with God. You can't mix the seasons. So don't waste what you have today because you want it to look like yesterday. Now let's get happy now as we move toward the end of this. Verse 38. Do put new wine, where? In new skins. Put new wine in new skins. And I would say to define that, give attention to what God has for you today. Find the right package, which means simply accepting. Don't try to change the old. Replace the old if necessary. Move on. Very interesting that Jesus says, back to the garment, the garment was already torn, guys. That shows us that there was something with it that was not going to work. Don't take something that won't work and try to make it work in your life. And a lot of times for us, what that just means is letting go of what's behind and embracing what's new. And I got to say something here. I felt like the Lord really just wanted me to warn you. This does not mean that we just say, well, I'm going to run away from that thing and make excuses. Don't leave truth for sin and falsehood. The new wine is always true. The new wine is always right. Hear this. The new wine is always holy. The new wine is always sacred. If you're leaving something in the past and you're using this, and people do this, Christians do this, oh, well, God's given me this new thing. No, he didn't. You're a baby and you got a wake behind you of destruction. If the new is not holy and sacred, it's not God, period. Don't use that as an excuse. But if it is holy and sacred, let go of what's behind, embrace what's new. It's hard, isn't it? I was thinking about Jesus, our Savior. You know, he had this thing. He said, I've got this cup. And Father, I don't want to drink this cup, but if it's your will, I will. Jesus was just a normal guy. 
I mean, this is a person that decided, ah, there's a really bad thunderstorm. I think I'll just take a nap on the boat. That same guy, just like you and I, the human Jesus, that same guy taking a nap in a thunderstorm on a boat while everyone panicked, not long after that was made to take a cup of suffering and say, I will drink what you have for me. And sometimes it's suffering and sometimes it's joy. But whatever it is, whatever God is doing, it's holy and sacred, put the new wine in a new skin. Be willing to change. And that's the thing for a lot of us today. Are we willing to change? Are we willing to change as God would call us? And again, the change is holy. The change is scary. The change means I'm going to leave something behind. I might leave a part of me. Some things never go all the way. Maybe I'll hang up my cardigan on the wall. But guys, don't let it define you. If your past is tragedy, in the eyes of God, you are not a tragedy. And don't let it define you. If your past is failure, you are not a failure. And don't let failure define you. Walk with a limp, carry the scars, hang the car to get on the wall, but go forward into what he has because it is always good for us. And finally, verse 39 is a weird verse. Jesus says, no one after drinking old wine wishes for new. He says the old is good enough. And what's he saying? I thought about this a lot. Um, I thought about this for months. And, and there's a lot of interpretations of this, but I just, my, my, my practical point for that would be don't settle for the low calling. See, some of us, it's, we get in a place where we just say, you know, I don't even want to try the new wine. I'm just going to stay here. That's a dangerous place. It's a dangerous place. And the old's good enough. I don't need the wine. I don't need the new wine. Jesus clearly is calling us toward new wine. Last week, we talked about the high calling, and I urged us that Jesus calls us to a high calling and not to settle for a low calling. I'm just going to reiterate that statement again now. You were called to a high calling. Does that mean you're going to be president or a missionary or write books that sell millions or get on the Oprah show or go to Mars? I don't know. Maybe. Um, but that's not, none of those are high callings. High calling is obedience and discipleship to Jesus Christ. That's the high calling. And you will be tempted. I've been a Christian for 32 years. For 32 years, I've been tempted to settle for a low calling. It's called Laodicean, lukewarm, sit on my butt, whine, fuss, be selfish, criticize others, and play a religious game the whole time. That's a pretend low calling where we feel like I'm just in enough that I know a little bit about Jesus, but we don't even know Jesus. Don't settle for a low calling. In the Narnia books, there were talking animals and there were non-talking animals. At the creation of Narnia, all animals were sentient. This is the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe books for those that don't know. And though Aslan allowed every animal to choose whether or not they wished to maintain their superior intelligence, some did not. Dumb beasts were those that chose not to speak. They decided to lose their higher calling and just be animals. Paul tells Timothy, he says, tell the church, don't settle for animal affections. Ezekiel says it too. You were not made to be like an animal. You were not made 
furlough calling. We are called to something that is beautiful. So don't settle for this, guys. And if your container's got a hole and it's leaking and you're wondering why, why can't I ever keep God in or why am I, you know, well, maybe it's time for a new container. Maybe it's time to change. Maybe it's time to repent. Maybe it's time to push through the crowd and find the Lord. Maybe it's time to leave the thing, and this is going to speak to some of us, the thing that is holding you back like a ball and chain from your relationship with God. And guys, don't let any job, don't let any ministry, don't let any man or woman or thing or idea ever keep you from that. God is God, and he is to be served. To keep the old wineskin is to settle for the low calling. So how exciting that we are called amidst all these warnings, and Jesus says, I have a new garment for you. I have new wine for you. Let's get that new wine skin. I have a high calling for you. It's holy and it's sacred. It might taste like this. Mmm, so good. Let's give the rest of these non-bruised apples away. <clears throat> 